Hello and welcome to another episode of Chinese Chippy Girl. My name is Georgie, Mao Puyu, and I am your host as always. So on today's show, I was going to say special show, but it's not really that special, only because you've actually stuck with me for the duration of the show. You're stuck with me because I've just been so hammered with work, life and everything that I've not actually had the chance to get a get a guest on. So you are stuck with me. I am going solo today and the last time I went solo on Chinese Chippy Girl was actually on series one, episode five, where I spoke about my first, I guess, trolling experience when I had my first hate message on Instagram. But anyway, you can always refer back to that show. It's quite a dark one. But anyway, yes, I have gone, I've gone solo. I've gone solo and I thought with it coming to the end of 2021, kind of like Spotify I know I know I'm just going to basically do a wrap-up of things that I've learned this year things that I've achieved this year and things which I want to do better next year in 2022 so it's just a quite a funny time isn't it where you get to the end of the year and you start reflecting well I don't know about you guys but I do anyway where you start reflecting on things that you've done some things that you've achieved so one of the greatest things which I feel I've achieved this year and it's all thanks to the EC community and also our allies as well is that we managed to get the short story Brian Wong who is never ever wrong removed in the next print run of David Wallin's book The World's Worst Children and it's such an incredible achievement it basically starts off when I heard of the book. My friend Steph, she had sent me the link to it. I then went to the library and got the book. And I know I've kind of spoken about this on Instagram before, but just reading the book, it was quite triggering from a BBC British born Chinese perspective. First of all, Brian Wong, who's never ever wrong. So that's the name of the short story. And it's so problematic because. Firstly, the name Wong and Wrong, they're two words thrown together to basically tease someone with the surname Wong. And the way how Brian had been illustrated, he had small eyes, spiky hair, he looked like a he looked like a SWAT, he looked like a geek. And the other thing is the whole the whole concept around Brian Wong is that he is a nerd, he's he's swatty, he's good at maths. And those are just some of the things which kind of live up to or kind of depict the Chinese community through the modern minority myth. And the whole thing is just really harmful and just problematic to the Chinese community, well, to the EC community, East and Southeast Asian. And Myself, Anna Chan and Benedict Wong, who's... <laughs> Hi, Benny. Oh, love him so much. But yes, Benedict Wong, the three of us, we basically had a meeting with HarperCollins and we basically explained to them from a BBC perspective with how much this book can actually tease a kid on the playground. Throughout this meeting, we feel like our voices was heard. And... To be honest with you, I wasn't expecting a change right away. I wasn't expecting them to send an email the following weekend to say, right, thanks for your time. These are changes which we're going to make. I knew that there was going to be a lot of chasing, a lot of hard work, a lot of energy that was going to be taken out of me. And it did. It was, 
it was very exhausting that's a, that's how I can explain it and the outcome of that meeting was that HarperCollins they had spoken to they'd spoken to David Williams and they'd spoken to Tony Ross and they had agreed that they're going to replace the short story Brian Wonk who is never ever wrong with with a different story and it's a story that we don't actually know what it would be yet so I mean it sounds great right like they'd managed to remove that story from the next print run but all honesty I couldn't help but feel that I wanted more like I wanted the whole I wanted David Williams whole catalogue to be reviewed I wanted them to review Raj the the shopkeeper the Asian quote-unquote Asian shopkeeper I wanted them to review the the short story Kung Fu Kylie I wanted them to review some of the audiobooks I wanted them to to basically do better and to have sensitivity read so if a author or a writer or an illustrator they're creating stories or books or whatever based on a community that they are not familiar with then they should really consult someone from the actual community because I feel like when that when that short story came out about Brian Wong who is never ever wrong if I was a sensitivity reader and I read that there's absolutely no way that I would sign that off no way so it was a good achievement because I feel like even though it wasn't everything that I wanted it was basically a small baby step towards something so positive to the whole community it was good because it managed to get into quite a lot of mainstream papers as well it's basically on the news it's on the radio like it just it wasn't something that was just in a meeting small media outlet just focusing on the ec community like this story went on like the bbc the guardian stuff i'm not gonna lie i did receive a little bit of backlash as well i got called all sorts all sorts of colourful names a lot of David Walliam fans had actually messaged me saying oh great I've ruined I've ruined their books and stuff and what else is their child going to read I'm thinking oh my god there's so many books out there that are so inclusive and give better education and better I don't know just more diverse stories to kids so anyway sorry I feel like I'm sending like a bit of a Debbie down here but I think it was such a big achievement and I couldn't have done it without the community and yeah I just think it's such a it's such a big win <gasps> OMG okay so one of my other big highlights is in September the amazing 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 women at B-Scene they had created a heritage month and EC Heritage Month in September and it was so good honestly I've just got goosebumps just talking about it so many people from the EC community across the UK they had basically put on their own events to create better representation to the EC community so there was like poets that was happening there were some talks as well from EC business owners oh there was just honestly so much and one of the things that was organised by BC is that they had an event called BC on Stage. They had very kindly uh, invited me to to be on a panel to talk about British Chinese food. 
So the lovely Shu, who I absolutely love, she was hosting it, British Chinese food panellist. And as part of the panel as well, there was Angela Hoy, who is a food journalist. And there was also Howard Wong, who is one of the founders of Little Mochi Moons. I was absolutely so astonished and so honoured that they had actually invited me to be part of the panel. And it was such a good laugh. And it was just so good to kind of be in that stage and to see so many familiar faces that I've met on Instagram that I've now met in real life. So for example, Chris Mack from Crazy Brit Asian, he was there and I'd met him in person and it was just so amazing. And just seeing all the BC girls together in one room just made me feel so warm and so, I don't know, just so, just so happy because I know the work that they've put out there to give better representation to the EC community and to give that education as well it's just so nice that we were able to see them on stage and they'd also organize a BC birthday party as well to celebrate their one year anniversary and Phil Wang was there it was so good he's so funny Ken Cheng was there as well another comedian it was just such a good night and we managed to go to karaoke afterwards and it's the first time I'd been in a karaoke bar in absolutely years and I sung my heart out to everything and I remember I was a little bit drunk I know I know I was a little bit drunk a little bit tipsy and I (laughs) I did my first Instagram live and I did my first Instagram live when we were at the karaoke bar and we were singing Alicia Keys New York (laughs) I remember at the karaoke bar that we were at I don't know I think someone I think it was a Kai from BC she had actually selected Teresa Tang oh my god I can't honestly I was so amazed at how many of us actually knew the words to Teresa Tang and it's a song that I listened to I was brought up with my dad my mum and dad they were huge huge fans of Teresa Tang so listen to that song just listen to it all singing that song it just brought back so much childhood memories for me and I was just so amazed so many people knew it you know it's it's just incredible so thank you Kai Another one, I didn't really know if this is actually my highlight or anything, but something that was basically the end of an era is my sister's restaurant, The Golden Dragon. It closed in September and it closed because the the lease came to an end and they just wanted to take just wanted to take a break. It was really big news for me because it's a restaurant that had been in my family for absolutely years. When my dad came to the UK before he met my mum he actually worked in Edinburgh and he worked at the Golden Dragon which back then it was called the Dragon's Castle and he worked there as a waiter and he fell 
in love with Edinburgh. And even when we grew up, we used to take a, a road trip up to Edinburgh and we always used to go to the Dragon's Castle. And then my sister then went to uni and she also worked at the Dragon's Castle as well. The owner sadly passed away and then the head chef, which is now my brother-in-law, he took over the restaurant with my sister. So when they took over, I then went to uni in Edinburgh and I also worked there as well. Don't forget my, sorry, we rewind back a little bit. My brother also worked at the restaurant. He worked there for a summer when he was about 14, 15 or something. And my mum, she also worked there as well. And my mum basically retired there quite recently. So when the restaurant closed, there was a lot of emotions, particularly for my sister, but there's a lot for me as well. I don't know, it just felt like such a end of an era. And I just remember when my mum, dad sold, sold the chippy, in Macclesfield, I I felt like I didn't really have that emotion when it closed down because I think where the chip shop was, it was quite a rough area. So I think for me, it felt like they were moving away from this rough area. So it was quite quite a bit of a blessing. But now I think back, I do I do kind of miss the chippy days. But during my uni years, so since I was eighteen, the Golden Dragon saw us being it's basically been my second home and whenever I go back up to Edinburgh the first thing that I would do is I'd get off the train then I'd walk 10 minutes to Golden Dragon and then I'd basically get all the food that I'd like because my brother-in-law would cook it and so I do I do really miss it and I went up to Edinburgh in November to celebrate fake Christmas with my family and also to Ewan's family as well And it just felt really weird that I got picked up and we didn't go to the restaurant. And I never actually went past the restaurant that time when when I was up. A, because I didn't really have enough time to do that. And B, even if I did have time, I think, I don't know, I'd feel like I'd probably break down or something because it would just be, I think it would just be quite upsetting for me just seeing that the restaurant's closed. So anyway, that's, uh, that's quite a big moment for me this year there's just some of the key things which I've felt really proud felt really happy with that has happened in 2021 I guess for some of the big things which I want to focus on 2022 is to continue obviously doing these podcasts I really enjoy doing them I really feel like it's helping myself to really connect with my Chinese heritage and to really learn more about the wider EC heritage as well. And I guess it's really challenging me as an individual with learning more about different communities, communities which I'm not familiar with, but they do need they do need spotlighting. So for example, in I think October I had interviewed Cara Boss who is a a Korean-American adoptee and someone who had been following for quite some time. And although it was quite a a hard podcast for me to record, it was also very interesting as well because I wanted to learn more about the, the adoption or adoptee community. And it's really interesting that I'd spoken to Cara about it she basically shared her personal stories on her journey and the reason why I said it was a hard one for me to record is because I knew that by recording this episode that she would be 
reliving her trauma as well. And the same thing with Suki, which is just basically a month ago, Suki is uh, a British-born Chinese again, and he's also gay. It's really interesting to hear from his personal story as well, because it's something that not everyone speaks about, and it's kind of one of those things that can get brushed under a carpet as well, particularly from an Asian household. So earlier this week, I had asked you guys if you had any shout outs or if you had any questions for me, which I would basically speak about on this show. So I have one from Su Young Zhang, who is from Far From China Blogger. And she says, I just wanted to say your content and persistence on amplifying EC stories to be very enlightening. Finding sources is the number one challenge for my content and I completely understand where you're coming from. All I can say is gayao. Gayao basically means add oil. Thank you so much for your lovely note. And also thank you so much for writing a blog based on the Chinese chippy girl. <laughs> no one's ever written a blog about me or my shows before. So thank you so much for doing that. Okay, so next up I have... Oh, okay, so this is from my friend Cecilia. Hi Cecilia. She wants me to give her a ha- sorry, blah. She wants me to give a shout out to her horse Fitz. So hi Fitz. She has a, a question. Okay. What has been the biggest self-discovery you have made during the 2021 podcast season? Ooh, such a such a big question. I think some of the discovery is it's just really believing myself that I can actually put these podcasts together and it's just also having a confidence that that the shows that I do, that it does bring better representation to the EC community and it also helps support the community as well. I've had so many lovely messages from people who listen to the podcast to say that we have very, uh, we come from very similar backgrounds and they also felt quite isolated in their thoughts and they don't have a wide network of of Asian friends and and I think with the podcast with the shows that I've done it's really helped them become more heard their thoughts and also that to validate their thoughts as well so some things which I talk about I don't even know how to explain it so some things which I have spoken about on my shows has been relatable to them and it's a really sweet one actually because all the messages which I receive, it actually helps motivate me to do more of them. Thank you for your question, Cecilia. Okay, I have a question from Joey. And Joey asks, Hi Georgie, I've got a question. What type of activities do you do with Moimoi? So Moimoi means little girl in Chinese uh, or in Cantonese to keep her in touch with her Chinese culture. Asking us, my son is half Chinese and other than reading to him in Cantonese and singing Cantonese nursery rhymes, I am stuck for ideas. Thank you. To be honest, Joey, I do the same as what you do. <laughs> I try my hardest to speak to Moimoi in Cantonese. My Cantonese is quite broken, but I try my hardest to speak to in Cantonese. The other thing is I I try and make more of an effort to read um, some books to her as well, which has characters from the EC community. So there's a book that Momo really enjoys reading called Eyes That Kiss in the Corner by Joanna Ho. So that's a really good book and it's something that she really enjoys. I, what else do I do? Chinese food as well I think that's been something that that's really helped me to embrace more of my Chinese culture and to learn more about Chinese cooking as well and something which I'm 
subtly trying to instill in in Sadie as well so she can grow up and basically being comfortable with the food that we eat so that's one thing there's also an Instagram page called D Ceremi I'm so sorry if I've completely butchered um, this name but they basically put together uh, a kind of kids festival I guess during EC Heritage Month and it was held in the Chinese Community Centre in London. So there were some books from there as well. There were some toys and there's some calligraphy and arts and crafts dedicated to young children. That's something which I took when we there as well. And I think that kind of really helped. Just being around other parents who had children just like ours. And again, they're trying to educate their children to embrace more of the EC culture. I think to be honest with you, Joey, and to any other parents out there who are raising their children biculturally just talking about your culture just getting some books in this culture and if you know the language as well just speaking to them I think that's honestly honestly more than enough but thank you so much for your question Joey. Carly Wu from BC hi Carly she's asked a couple of questions what would be the first thing you would do if you could fly <sighs> does it <laughs> Flying to Hong Kong, does that count? <laughs> I know it's quite far away from the UK, but I think if there's no cap on the mileage, I would definitely fly to Hong Kong. And the other question that Carly has asked is, what would be the first thing you'd do if you were invisible? Okay, so this might sound a bit weird, a bit creepy, but I would go into Buckingham Palace and I want to know what kind of conversations are had in that palace. I want to see, I want to see like on a Sunday, what do they all do like do they all get together and they all have their roast dinner and what do they talk about and also it's like even small things like if they open up their bag or if they take something out of their out of their pocket do they have a mobile phone I'm, I'm like I'm sure they do I'm sure they do but it's like you never see them with a the phone and the other thing is do they have money like a five pound note in a wallet or anything like that because where do they go to spend? Because you don't really see them in Sainsbury's or in a newsagent or in a pub. It's like, you, they don't go out. For me anyway, I feel like they don't go out to spend because you don't see them going to places apart from maybe getting, visiting, you know, VIPs or going to events and stuff where they've probably got things thrown at them. Anyway, so if I was invisible, that's what I would do. <laughs> Thanks for your question, Carly. Okay, next question is... Oh, another BC member, Mayan Peterson. Hello, my love. She says, why am I not on the podcast? Okay, maybe next year we'll get you on, okay? I'd love to get the BC crew on, uh, Chinese Chippy Girl. Uh, she then said, just kidding, babes. Real question. How do you celebrate Christmas in your house? Okay, so when I was younger, like back in my Maxwell days... On Christmas Day, we used to go to uh, the Wirral. Um, we used to spend Christmas Day at my at my Gouda's, which is an auntie in Chinese. It's it's, good, it's an auntie from my dad's side who is younger than my dad. And I have quite a big family of cousins from my dad's side. So we all used to get together. We used to get together anyway every Tuesday. But on Christmas Day, we used to get together. And we used to just go around to my Gouda's house and... All the adults would cook dinner downstairs. We'd have like roast duck. We'd have um, all the Cantonese roast meats. We'd have some fish. We'd have maybe just a little bit of chai. We'd have 
uh, a chocolate chocolate towards the end. My gorgeous, which is my uncle, my gorgeous husband, he used to always come up and, and make us cups of teas. And back in the day, all the... Um, all the adults would be downstairs in the in the chip shop because my Gordon and Gordon, they owned a Chinese takeaway as well and they lived above the shop. So all the adults would be downstairs, all the kids would be upstairs and we used to play on the my cousin's computer game. He owned an Amiga 500, I think it was, so it was really old school, but... We used to always play up there and because we'd all be, always be on a, on a sugar rush, we would, we'd just go crazy upstairs. And I remember every year they used to have like a fake Christmas tree downstairs at the shop, but they used to hang it with, like, with chocolate. Instead of baubles, they'd have chocolate. So we'd have chocolate in them and we'd always used to steal all the chocolate from the Christmas tree. And it's one time there's so many of us climbing on top of this Christmas tree that I remember the Christmas tree fell down. Oh my God. And the other thing which I seem to remember, and this isn't just on Christmas, but, so we were all so young and we didn't actually leave my gorgeous house until quite late and it would be an hour drive home from the Wirral back to Macclesfield and I remember we used to always, dad used to stop the car when we'd get back into Macclesfield and then I'm thinking oh my god I'm gonna have to walk from the car, I'm gonna have to walk up the stairs and go home and get back to the house so I used to always pretend... <laughs> I used to always pretend that I was still sleeping in the car so my mum and dad could actually carry me. <laughs> they could carry me to my room. Anyway, that's quite bad. But anyway, that's what I did. But so that's what we do at Christmas. And I really like miss those Christmas days as a kid. But now that I'm a mum now and I'm in London, things are just a little bit different because I am now the adult. And last year I made a, a Christmas turkey, but this year I'm actually thinking of ordering a Cantonese roast duck. And with any leftovers, then I could maybe make it into some juk, some congee. And yeah, I maybe have some like, uh, lo mi fai, like sticky rice. I think I would like to have that as well. So I think that's what we'll do for Christmas. And because my partner, Ewan, he works for Royal Mail, it means that we can't actually go up to Edinburgh to see our family. So we did that back in November. We celebrated fake Christmas. And this Christmas is just going to be the three of us, which I think would be quite nice, actually. I think, you know, you and I'll be working really hard during Royal Mail because they're so busy during Christmas and I've been completely slammed at my work as well. So I think it'd be a really good break and maybe go for a cycle. We are so lucky. Our nearest park is Queen Elizabeth Park, like the Olympic Park. So we'll probably just go there for a cycle. So that's that's uh, that's what my plan is for Christmas. So if anyone's listening to this before Christmas, please feel free to let me know what your plan is. And uh, yeah, I love talking about Christmas plans. Okay, thank you so much, Marianne, for your question. Okay, so Kelvin Tan, hi Kelvin. <laughs> he's asked me a load of questions. So okay, so he's got quite a few questions on here. Okay, number one. Who's your favourite chef? Now, he's expecting me to say Kelvin, but Kelvin, you've never cooked for me. So you'd have to, you'd have to cook with me to basically compete in my number one spots. But my number one chef is, is, is my dad. He's, uh, he's not around anymore, but he is definitely my number one chef. And the food that he used to make for us was just amazing. And he was so effortless at making it as well. And I really, I really regret not spending so much time in the kitchen with him. He was a chef in our in a takeaway and I was always outside with my mum serving customers and also making the fish and chips and serving like the pies and everything. So my dad would be at the back and I really regret not 
spend as much time with him just because it'd be quite good to you know steal some recipes from him he's my favorite chef my other favorite is my brother-in-law chan oh his food's so good like i've learned so much from him since the pandemic we've done quite a few quite a few zoom calls together where he's taught us how to make a uh, suyuk and he's taught us how to make tasu and oh he's just been so good and the food that he that he used to make at the golden dragon was just oh it's just amazing so it was it was just 100% so good. Kelvin, you've also asked, what's your top three dim sum dishes? Back at you, because I asked him that on my podcast as well, on my show earlier this year. So definitely, Sulong Bao Shanghai Dumplings. Oh, one of my favourites. I actually tried making it from a recipe which I got from Dumpling Sisters. And... It's probably one of the hardest things I've ever made just because there was so much skill involved and I didn't realise the soup texture within the dumplings. They use, you put gelatin within it, within within the filling and I've learnt that the best thing to do when making the filling is that to part freeze the filling and to not take the whole filling out at the same time because it's good to just maybe get a small batch a small portion of the filling and leave the rest in the freezer for example and then you would fill fill the sulong bao up with the part frozen gelatin because it's a gelatin that makes the soup I, I don't know if i'm saying the right thing or not if you are a chef feel free to correct me here and the second favorite dim sum dish I really like is salad minghagop, which is a deep fried prawn and salad cream. I don't know what it is, but I just love like the crunchiness, the thinning of the prawn, and you dip it in salad cream. Yes, I love salad cream, but I would dip it in. The third one, mm, I don't really know. I don't really have it because it's normally sulong bao and uh, salad minghagop, which I go for. I think maybe lobak gol, turnip cake. That's something which I really enjoy as well. And I think it also brings back memories of my dad because whenever we'd go for Yamta with my dad, he would always kick off whenever we want to order Lobat Gold because he would always say that it's really easy to make and he would always make it better than how the chefs in the restaurant would make it. But the thing is, dad never really made it for us. And I've actually made it a few times. I wouldn't say it's the easiest thing to make, but I wouldn't say it's the hardest. There's a lot of labour a labour of love is what I'd say. So, yeah. So, I think, yeah. I think that's probably my top three uh, dim sum dishes. He's also asked me, why are you such a princess? Kelvin, that's because I am a princess, okay? He's also asked me, what's your opinion on smoking? So, I was very disappointed to see a fag in Kelvin's hand. And whenever he's smoking, I always have to point it out. I know I am that person. But I just don't really believe in smoking. I just think it's a dirty habit. Anyway, there, I said that. Okay, so next question from Kelvin. It's actually the last one from him. We all know your team rises through and through, which is absolutely correct. So, we all know your team rises through and through. But pasta or noodles? Hmm. So to be honest, I don't really know. The I know they're made quite similarly. I think they use uh, different flours for pasta versus the flour that is used for noodles. But I would say noodles because you can make some really nice, uh, delicious uh, noodle soup. Like wonton tami, wonton's noodle soup is a really big one as well. So there's your answer, noodles. So those are the questions that I've received. And I don't really have that much to add, really. I just wanted to talk about the wrap-up of Chinese Shipper Girl 2021. And honestly, guys, this year has been so amazing. And to everyone that's listened to my shows, for everyone that's messaged me, for everyone that's supported my shows, thank you so, so much. 
I honestly do these shows in my spare time and I do it because I genuinely want to give better representation to the EC community. I know it's been such a a tough year for us. It's been really tough since the pandemic and creating these shows I find a real big connection with EC people, particularly those in the UK as well, the British EC people, the BCF, BC. We we have this amazing community together. Some of you I've met in real life and some of you I've already met you through the other end of a DM. And it's just been so, so amazing. I don't know how I can thank you from the bottom of my heart to say thanks for your support. But next year, I hope to do more shows. I want to continue given better EC representation, having more guests in the shows from different backgrounds to talk about different topics and to spotlight them as well. And yeah, and <laughs> that's it really. Oh, you know, I'm so tired right now. I've had a really hard day at work. It's 10 o'clock at night and it's been ages since I've done a, a solo show. So I feel like I'm just talking to this microphone and I'm so thirsty. <laughs> I just want to, I don't know, just want to sit on the sofa and get you into give me a foot rub. But yeah, I think that's it. It's just been such a, an amazing, an amazing year. And yeah, thanks again for everyone that has listened to the show. If you're listening on Apple Pod, please feel free to give me a five star review. And if you have an extra one or two minutes, then please do feel free to write me a review as well, because that means the world to me my instagram handle is chinese chippy girls so feel free to drop me a message on and also to tag me and to share any of my shows as well thank you so much guys for such an amazing year and thanks again for your support i know i've said it about fifty thousand times already but thank you so so much love you loads have a good christmas for when it comes or if it's past christmas then happy new year if the new year's passed as well then just have a good whatever (laughs) okay i really need to stop this because it's now two minutes past 10 and i'm so tired okay then okay then bye